You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Meeting it head on, straight away. Why? John 22, 39 through 47. And he came out and went, and as he went, and he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, this isn't just a robot speaking forth something for us to apply to ourselves. This is a, a man in agony, absolute agony, coming to this fateful decision. Will I do it? Will I accept it? Will I submit to this? <coughs> sweating tears of blood, or sweating, sweating drops of blood. This is a high level of stress. This is a high level of pain, of sorrow, of mental agony. Let this, if there's a way, if there's a way around this, can, can, can I get around it, Father? But not my will, let yours be done. And there appeared unto him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. This is the midnight hour, brothers and sisters. This is late at night. This is in darkness. He knows what's coming. You know, do you ever think about how easy it would have been for Jesus to say, come on, guys, let's stop. It would have been, he knew it was coming. He could have left. Very simple. Very, very simple. And 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, mine, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, that ye lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss them, to kiss him. A multitude came out. Midnight, a dark garden, one that he'd been gone to frequently. Very simple for him, even at that moment, to hide in the shadows and be gone. John 18, 3 through 7. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. My armed men, soldiers, used to battle, used to confrontation. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Oh, did you read that? What gallant, what a gallant man. What bravery. What audacity. He knew they were coming. And he knew that they had weapons. And he went directly to them. What are you looking for? Yeah, that is a man, man going to his death with boldness. I, <laughs> whom seek he? 
They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus saith unto him, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he said to them, I am he, they went backwards and fell on the ground. So it shows the power of God there. Literally, I am he, boom, they're on the ground. I love it in the Passion of the Christ. The picture is so vivid there, if if you've seen it. These men, he speaks, I am he. They fall to the ground. And, and, and he's just standing there with boldness in front of them. And, and they, they, they pick themselves up, and they come and they, they go. They grab him like that, like, what's going to happen? We're not sure. So Jesus said, I lay my life down willingly. Yeah. That no one takes it from me. You see here, he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. He went to the place where it was going to happen. Now, I don't know about you and me. If God showed me you're going to be arrested in Turkey, I wouldn't get on the plane. (laughs) But Jesus got on the plane and went to be arrested and tortured and killed, knowing what would happen. And he walked directly to those that would take him to it. I mean, this is, this is bravery. This is incredible. The word bravery means courageous behavior. And courage means the ability to do something that frightens you or strength in the face of pain or grief. Bravery doesn't mean you're not scared. In order to be brave, you have to be scared. You have to be afraid of what's going to happen but you go and you do it anyway. So apply this to the Christian life. There's things that God calls us to do that are scary, that are hard, that are difficult, like sharing our faith with unbelievers. Things that are we know are not going to make us popular. Do we want, is that what we're longing for, is to be popular? Uh, we say no. But sadly, there's something within us that wants to be approved. That that wants to be patted on the back. But the reality is, that's not what God is calling us to. That's not what Jesus did. That's not how he lived. He lived with courage, with true bravery. Yes, it's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing to do the will of God many times. It'll bring fear. It'll bring worry. But God calls us not to be timid. You know, sometimes in the sisters, being timid is valued by the world, by, by the wrong kind of thinking. Timid is just fear. And fear brings unbelief, doesn't it? So being timid is not what God calls any believer to be timid. He calls us to be bold. He calls us to be brave. He calls us to be fearless in the face of the enemy. If you think being timid is good, you're wrong. Because it's going to bring, the birth that it brings is unbelief. Unbelief in God's promises. Unbelief in God's word. Unbelief in God's power. Unbelief in God's purpose for you. It, It will block you from that. So it doesn't mean we're not scared. It doesn't mean you're not worried. I was um, 
for those of you who don't know, I do missions work in the Middle East with uh, Iranians. And somebody, I posted something and someone said, the, this brother is fearless going to the Middle East for missions. And I responded on Facebook. I said, brother, whoever said I wasn't afraid? Whoever said I was fearless? I said, I, I count the will of God more important than my own comfort, my own safety. That's, that's all it is. I am afraid. I am worried. I am concerned. I'm a man. I'm human. I have a family. I want to be with them. I want to take care of them. But I count, and we all have to, mm-hmm. we have to count the will of God more important than our comfort and our safety. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. doesn't mean you're not scared, but it means you're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the purpose of God. C.T. Studd was a missionary in the late 1800s. It's a great name, I think. Studd, manly name. But uh, he's from England, and uh, he, his father was nobility and owned a great property um, and was worth in today's equivalent, $110 million. So the, what, what C.T. Studd inherited when his father passed away was $110 million. But his call and his purpose in life was to be a missionary. So he secretly and privately gave the entire estate away to William Booth in the Salvation Army and to D.L. Moody to build the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and to fund missions in China, India, Africa. He, so he went to China as a missionary, penniless. Penniless. He gave everything away. He didn't save a million to fund his missionary work. He went with nothing to China. And so he was a man of bravery. He was a, a man of courage. Uh, he was a man that looked uh, disease danger and death and hardship right in the face and went directly to it. Suffered many sicknesses over the years, um, but he, he literally, uh, in his last 20 years of life, from 50, 52 to 72, he transformed the Congo into a, uh, many Christian missions throughout the entire country. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called The Chocolate Soldier. It's kind of a sarcastic book making fun of um, Christians who are uh, would, would prefer to um, well, I'll put it this way: when danger or difficulty is spoken of, that they melt like chocolate. When there's heat, they melt. It says every true Christian is a soldier of Christ, a hero par excellence, braver than the bravest, scorning the soft seductions of peace and her oft-repeated warnings against hardship, disease, danger, and death, whom he accounts among his bosom friends. <laughs> it's a completely different way of looking at things. Brother Branham says in the sermon, Faith that was once delivered to the saints, God, I said, God, I know you love bravery. You like men who will stand by their conviction, stand there when they know they're right and stay. God loves bravery. He's, Brother Branham says in the Eagle Stirs Her Nest, I like anything that's brave, and I hate a coward. 
see a man get in a pulpit and afraid to preach his convictions, brother, I tell you, I'd say if they shot me, just the same. And go to an office and somebody be healed by the power of God and afraid to say something about it. Somebody say that, yeah, I believe the Lord's a healer. And afraid to testify of it. Oh, brother, ashamed of the Holy Ghost. God can't use you. God wants men of bravery. We are kin to the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's right. Sternness, firmness, bravery. So, heroism. Being a hero. Let's look at what the word means. The definition of heroism is great bravery. A great deal of bravery. Who is the greatest hero of history? Jesus Christ. Here's some synonyms of the word heroism. Valor, boldness, daring, audacity, fearlessness, dauntlessness, stout-heartedness, lion-heartedness. The word audacity means to take bold risks. Valor is great courage in the midst of battle. Boldness means willingness to take risks and act innovatively. Confidence or courage. My, this is what God calls us to be. Every believer. To be heroes in the battle. To have bravery, to be bold, to be daring, to be audacious. To go to the places that no one wants to go. To speak to the people that no one wants to speak to. And be a light and a witness to them. Hallelujah. In the church in its condition, you want to be gentle and quiet. You want to be humble and go where he leads. When people say something, no matter how right it looks, you're going to forfeit your rights to talk. Talk to your neighbor. You're going to talk. You're going to talk about Jesus. You're just going to do the thing that's right. You ain't going to go out like a murderer. You ain't going to go out and jump on the innocent. But you see that gallant play of heroism of real Christians, and you want to be like them. You won't have to tell anybody you're a Christian. If you are one, they just see it and know it as you talk. You're sealed inside and out. Jesus was compassionate and loving. Jesus was bold and zealous for the glory and truth of God. Jesus was audacious. He was willing to risk everything in order to glorify and honor God. Remember our original subject was to the image of Jesus Christ, to have the character of Jesus Christ, that the true bride will have the character of Jesus Christ expressed in and through her. So Jesus was audacious, willing to risk everything in order to glorify and honor God. Jesus was a servant that loved his own unto his very last breath. Jesus felt a deep burden that caused him to weep for the people of Jerusalem. Jesus fed his soul upon the word. Jesus lived a life of prayer. Jesus lived a life of total submission to the Father's will. And this is what he's called us to exactly the same. Remember I said before, don't say, don't think, don't believe that you can't be like Jesus. The Bible says that God is conforming you to be like Jesus. So either you believe it or not. If you believe it, he'll do it. God will take you just as far as you believe. If you have faith to receive something, God God will give it. If it's in the word, God promised it, then grab it. Say, it's mine. I might not look exactly like I ought to today, but it's mine anyhow. God is conforming me. 
from the sermon I have heard, but now I see. Now everybody knows that we have a promise of the church condition in the last day. The church in its present condition can never fulfill the commandments of God. The Great Commission could never call the bride out. Which one would do it? Pentecostals? I should say not. None of the rest of them. It's our duty as Christians to fulfill the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature with signs following. It takes boldness. It takes audacity. It takes bravery. It takes heroism to do it. You say, well, I don't have any of those things. A real Christian has those things. A real believer. Hey, hey, I have my moment. We all have our times. But really, what are we aiming for? What are we looking at? That's Jesus Christ. We're not aiming to be safe. Was Jesus aiming to be safe? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Was Jesus aiming to be comfortable? No. He had one purpose. That was to, re- to manifest the Father, to manifest the Word, to save lost souls. And he's called us to be his disciples. To be a disciple means you do the same thing. He's our teacher. He's our Lord and Master. But he's given us an example to follow. The first people did it. In the book of Acts, they did it. Are we restored back to the original faith? Then we'll do it. They had audacity. What did, what did they do? They went and preached in the temple. They said, you can't do that. We're throwing you in prison. Don't talk in the name of Jesus. What's better? Should we obey man or God? You say, well, we live in America. Yeah, we live in America. So it means we can get on the street and do all those things without being arrested. And we don't. We don't. We have all the advantages and the abilities that they wished they could have had. The freedom to stand up and preach on a public place and bear a record of Jesus Christ. And they were doing it when it was illegal. And we're comfortable. We have it good. We have it nice. They weren't saying, well, you know, I'll do my ministry as long as I can um, pay my bills and take care of everything. <laughs> Do you think that the Apostle Peter and Paul were looking at that? Was Paul having troubles? What did he say? He was on a missions trip. He said, I'm, uh, uh, I was in peril from the Gentiles. I was in peril from the Jews. I was naked. What does it mean he was naked? He wasn't completely naked. He didn't have adequate clothing. It was without food. There was no water. I slept in the wilderness. Danger from wild beasts. My, Paul, God didn't provide for you for this missions trip. What are you doing? Better get back home to Jerusalem. Endure hardships, Paul said, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Endure hardships. So is there going to be times where you'll struggle? Is there going to be times where there's difficulties? We're promised that, in fact. We are promised difficulties. Oh, but I want to prosper. I like the prosperity gospel. 
No, you're not promised that. Prosperity, Brother Tim talked about prosperity. What is it? Jesus Christ's life in you, revealed through you. That's the greatest prosperity. Seeing a soul saved. Seeing a person healed and their faith ignited in Jesus Christ. That's prosperity. We're looking for prosperity, sadly. We're going after gold. That's another thing that C.T. Studd said in the days. People were going to the Congo because there was gold found. They were going from England. People got there and died of diseases within a week. And they were willing to risk everything for gold. And he said, where are the gamblers for God? They're ready to gamble for gold. But for God, no one wants to take a risk. They stay at home on their lovely pews and lovely homes. No one wants to take the risk. God has called us to have, to live a life of difficulties. And he's promised a comfort on the other side. And a comfort of the Holy Spirit. Not a comfort of a big home, a plush car. We, we have those things. We're part of those things. Uh, I'm doing my best to provide for my family and, and things like that. But ultimately, what does it come down to? I'm not telling you to lease, sell everything. Maybe God is telling you to sell everything. He, Jesus told different individuals to do that. Sell everything and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. He doesn't tell everybody that. But what's my point in all this? You're saying, man, you're, this is austerity. It means if God calls you to do something, and I'm not saying you personally, we have the Bible. It tells us a lot of things to do. Are we willing to sacrifice everything for obedience to Christ? Are we willing to go testify people? The Bible says go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, we have, the whole world has come to America and we can preach to it here in America. So what are we doing? Are we willing? Uh, and, and, and then if the time comes that God does send you someplace. I, I want to tell of, you know, sisters say, well, I'm not to preach. And so Amy Carmichael, anyone familiar with Amy Carmichael? She was an English woman, end of the 1800s, moved early 1900s, left everything in England behind, single woman, moved to India. What did she do? She ministered to women and young children who were victims of the temple system, child marriages, these kind of things. She's a woman. She was a missionary. She won many souls to Christ, young children, young women. And from there, churches came and men started coming to Christ and Preachers started coming, and then other missionaries came. Preachers came and ministered to everyone. But it started with a woman that had compassion. I was re I'm reading different missionary books to my family uh, every evening, and one thing that touched me so much was these people from England said, we're Christians, but we see Amy Carmichael. She acts as though she were a disciple Christ himself today. Praise God. Hallelujah. And wow. it I started crying as I read this. Or do we act like we're a disciple of Jesus Christ today? 
that we love and have compassion on those who are broken, who are hurting. You know, there was one man that, uh, by the name of Eric Ludi, he was telling somebody, you know, if, 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 uh, if slavery was so bad today, I would be like William Wilberforce and I would rise up and take a stand and say, what are you talking about if it was so bad today? It's worse today than it was in the days of William Wilberforce. What do you mean, if it was? Human trafficking, sex, slave, sex slavery, it's worse today. What are, what are, are we doing anything? Are we, there's people that we can go and literally have compassion on. I'm not saying you should. There's orphans that nobody wants. You say, I, there's nothing I can do to serve God. There's orphans that nobody wants that are reaching to the end and they're going to be put in public houses in places where that's not like here. In places where they will be abused, hurt, and probably sold into slavery. There's something every one of us can do to serve, to, to count our lives as nothing. What did Paul say? They warned him. Paul... You're going to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit says you're going to suffer. So I don't count my life as anything. The one thing I have to fulfill the purpose that God has for me and to do His will. I'm not, I'm not telling you that you have to go and sell everything and go to minister to ISIS in Syria. Maybe, maybe you should. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. I'm not saying that, but there's, some, there's something we all can do to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to glorify Him and go to those people that no one cares for and no one is concerned about and nobody is worried about to give forth His love, His compassion, His care to them. And at, and at the very smallest thing is you can witness to the people that are around you in boldness, in fervor, that you know Jesus Christ personally and you want to introduce them to him. To do these things, to fulfill the Great Commission, it takes boldness, it takes bravery, heroism. And it'll be men and women called of God that are shaped into the image of Jesus Christ that will do it. There's a there's an old uh, Athenian writer, he was a general, his name is Thucydides. He wrote, the bravest are those who have the clearest vision of what is before them, both the glory and the danger alike, and yet nevertheless go out to meet it. Praise God. Do you have a vision of what God wants you to do in your life? Is it clear? If it's not, ask him to make it clear. Ask him, ask him to show you what to do. And you'll immediately you'll know the danger and you'll think of the danger. That's what your human flesh tells you. Um, but go and meet it anyways. Jesus says, Luke 14, 26, 27, and 33. He, he speaks, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Do you view everything that you have as belonging to Christ? Is he your Lord? Is he your King? Is everything that you have at his disposal? Or are there some things that you're keeping for yourself? He says you can't be his disciple. These are not my these are these are difficult words. Mm-hmm. Bear your cross. It loses meaning. Bear your firing squad. Bear your noose. Bear your lethal injection. That's what the cross is. It's a place of torture and execution. If you're not willing to bear your own torture and execution, you can't be my disciple. These words were not lost on these disciples that were with him. If you don't hate, now the scripture says, honor your father and mother. Scripture says, love your wife as your own self. It says, raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It says, love your brothers and sisters. But in comparison to your love and fervor for Jesus Christ, your love for your family and loved ones is hatred. So your love for your family is here and your love for Jesus Christ is here. You're willing to walk away from every, everyone and everything for him. <clears throat> Whatever he calls and asks you to do, you're willing to do it. No, he asks you to lead your family as well. He asks you to provide for your family as well. He asks you for to love your family as well. But in comparison to your love for Christ, it's nothing. And, and, and he doesn't just say, you know, uh, you've got to do this because it's really important. He says, you can't, be, you, can't even be, you can't be identified with me. What does it mean to be his disciple? You know, they went and they did everything in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the rabbis of those days, they taught and spoke in the name of their teacher. And so Jesus said, you can't even be identified with me if you don't do these things, if you don't renounce all that you have. So this is the life of Christ in us. Do you think Christ was asking to do something that he didn't already do himself? He was doing it. He was ready to bear his cross. He didn't regard his own familial uh, relationships as as important as his relationship to his Heavenly Father. He renounced everything. He didn't have a home to live in. He said, birds of the air have nests. Foxes have dens. But the Son of Man has no place to live his head. Are we ready for that kind of radical obedience and life of Christ.